Welcome to Old News and Stories of the Accused. I'm Alex. And I'm Sophia. Thanks for joining us here today for our recorded existential crisis. So, this should be a bonus one. Just a bonus one? Yeah, just of us having an existential crisis. Oh no, we're leaving all this shit in. Oh, okay then. Just this week, I rescued a squirrel and then it died. His name was Toby O'Tony. Neither. His name was Todd. Todd. Oh my god. You don't even know the name of my dead squirrel. It was... It wasn't a very good name. You shut your mouth. My sister named him. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, my she mom did. Agrees with me, though. Well, you can tell your mom that I love her. <laughs> yeah, Todd had some neurological disorder. And you took him to a rescue place, but he sadly passed away. What the fuck are you telling the story? I don't know. You should tell the story. I mean, you already told it. That's basically what happened. I took him to a rescue and he had a seizure and died. But you didn't tell about how you found him in the park? I did. I found him in the park and he was so lovey-dovey and amazing. He would literally, if I set him on my stomach to sleep, he would climb up my body and nuzzle up under my chin. It was the sweetest thing in the world. And he was so soft. He was hella soft. He didn't um, move a lot, though, which is bad for squirrels. Yeah, because of his neurological disorder, he straight up did not move. And when he did move, he was, like, wobbly and he couldn't really hold up his own weight. But he passed away, so R.I.P. Todd. And I also broke my favorite bowl this week and spilled milk into the carpet. So, my week has been... Just drop it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So I was in the basement and I had my favorite bowl and it was full of cereal. It's one of those like really big mugs. Oh. It was full of cereal and I I saw, (laughs) I thought I saw a cricket. (laughs) Are you scared of crickets? I fucking hate crickets so much. They're lucky though. Not the ones in my basement. They're the spider crickets and they have those weird long legs. Basically, I just don't like anything that jumps because they move too fast and I don't like it. And I don't mind spiders. I'll literally pet a spider. I don't mind bugs at all. I just hate crickets. Crickets and grasshoppers, I absolutely hate. And I thought I saw one and I jumped and I knocked (laughs) knocked my bowl over and it broke and I got milk in the carpet. We should make that a sound bite. Okay. Now it's time for death and destruction. Um, I feel like that was a procrastination. <laughs> it almost definitely was. This is probably the worst case I've done so far. as of yet. Yeah, yeah, so far. I have seven pages of research. It took me so long to do because I kept... Um, Procrastinating? Yeah. Yeah, I threatened you this afternoon. Saying I would hang out with your sister instead of you if you didn't finish your research. I finished my research. It was unbearable. And my sister's leaving to go watch Over the Hedge with her friend. My sister's in college. (laughs) (laughs) So today's episode is on Dean Coral, also known as the Candyman Killer. I followed the Candyman. From, From the 90s movie or from another podcast or something? I believe they'll be making it. They are remaking it, but that movie is not based on this man. Oh. It's based on, like, a fictional ghost, and my mom actually worked on that movie. 
So, trigger warning. There is rape of a child, murder of a child, sexual assault, and child abuse. Now is background information on Dean Coral, but this information was provided by his mother, and she's a biased source. But anyway, here's the facts. Dean Coral was born December 24th, the day before Christmas. That's probably what made him a killer. He was anything but a gift. Precisely. December 24th, 1929, to parents Mary Robinson and Arnold Coral in Indiana. He was their first son, and there was never any physical abuse in the home, at least according to Mary Robinson. His father was strict and had a volatile but non-violent relationship with his wife Mary. Arnold and Mary got divorced in 1946. David was shy, and he didn't have many friends as a child. David? Who the fuck is David? Did you mean Dean? I guess so. (laughs) What was that? David was shot. (laughs) There is a David later in this story, but I don't know why I just threw him in here. That's not right. Dean was shy and didn't have many friends as a child. He was anxious without supervision, and that anxiety soon bled into other parts of his life. His mother doted on him, but his father was often away. They moved to Texas in 1950 after a failed failed reconciliation between his parents. Because Mary was a single mom, Dean and his brother were often without her. His mom married a man named Jake West in 1955. And they moved again, though they did stay in Texas. They just moved to a different town. Dean had a disturbing habit of wearing his trapped and killed squirrels around his neck giving him one of the three serial killer traits, which is animal abuse. Dean's mother became a candy maker and opened up a candy company called the Pecan Prince. That's a cute name. Isn't it? Yeah, the Pecan Prince. I can't eat pecans, though. I'm allergic. Wait, do you say pecan or pecan? Pecan. Okay, that's fine. Wait, you're allergic? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Pecan pie is my favorite. Dean took over the business, doing most of the work while still in high school. The business grew really quickly, and the family opened up a storefront in Houston where they also lived. It's it's not Houston Street, it's Houston Street. Sorry. Is that... I know it's a quote, but I don't know where. It's not. It's just people get really bratty about um, Houston Street in New York. If you pronounce it Houston Street, they're like, It's pronounced Houston I can't believe you disrespect the city of New York like that. Jake West and Dean began fighting, and he was sent to his maternal grandmother's home in Indiana to get some space. In 1959, Dean moved back to Houston at 20 to help with the ever-growing business Pecan Prince. Pecan Prince. Dean was a closeted gay man in a time where that was illegal and highly stigmatized. Mary and Jake's marriage grew rocky, and Mary was kicked out of pecan prince candy company even though she yeah i know she was the one that started it and jake was like you can't be in my candy company anymore mary then opened coral candy co and made dean vice president oh that's a that's a cute name she picked a cute name coral candy co yeah i kind of like pecan prince true because they specialized in pecan pralines pralines i don't know yeah but that means you're more limited Right, but I think they made other kinds of candy, too, but that's just what they started with, so they based it on that. 
Good for her for making two businesses. I know. She's kind of a bad bitch, but also kind of a bad mom. <laughs> she's both. Bad bitch and bad mom. Mary and Jake divorced in 1963. Dean moved out of his family home into an apartment near the candy shop. So when Dean was working at the candy storefront, he came on to a teen cashier who was paid off to leave the company by Mary. Bad mom. Coral Candy Shop was across the street from an elementary school, and Dean always gave candy to the children for free and even made sure that the shop was especially tantalizing for young children. So, like, if all the other stuff that happens later in this didn't happen, then it would have been fine because, like, it's a candy shop. Of course you want kids going in. But the stuff that happens later is like, oh. Suspicious. Yeah. Dean always had kids around him and always touching him, like, hugging them and smooching on them. He made a creepy teen-centered van with surfboard racks, a carpet, and a TV. Some teen male employees were uncomfortable around Dean. Rightfully so. Food. Okay. We'll be back. Pausing this. My mom made food. We're back. Um, We're now both full of ramen and salmon and milkshakes. It was so good. We're posting pictures of ourselves in the milkshake on our instagram which if you'd like to follow is old news and stories of the accused on instagram anyway back to all this horrible okay back to dean coral it's been three hours we need a moment mary then married mary then married a third time to a man named walt after their union she discovered that he was violent and threatened her and dean the marriage was annulled, and she purchased a gun to protect herself what from him. Annulled means. Annulled is like. It's basically a divorce, but like in the eyes of the Catholic Church. Uh. Um, and I think it's legally bounding as well. I don't know. She then moved to Colorado and never saw her son in person again. Business took a dive, and Dean took a second job, but then closed the candy company in 1968. He moved into a house across from an elementary school and decorated the house to appeal to young children, especially boys. No. No. (laughs) Dean would throw parties for teen boys in the neighborhood and would provide alcohol, weed, and paint for them to huff. A young girl who was brought to one of these parties by her older brother remembers seeing four naked boys smoking weed. She also witnessed an (laughs) overdose that was swept under the carpet by Dean. So I should mention these memories were brought on through hypnosis, which is not always effective and false memories are possible in hypnosis. But I think it's entirely believable. That'd be the least weird thing he does. After Dean's 30th birthday, he changed dramatically. He became bored and searched for stimulation in less savory areas. His first known victim was Jeffrey Conan. He was 18 years old and was abducted on September 25, 1970. Jeffrey was hitchhiking and Dean took him to his apartment where he gagged and bound and then raped him. After the rape, Conan was strangled and buried with his gag still on and wrapped in plastic. Now let's go on to his accomplices. Dean, who's 30, becomes friends with a 6th grader, who, 6th graders are 11 and 12, named David Brooks in 1966. After the murder of Jeffrey Conan when David was 15, 
Dean began making the relationship closer so that he could convince David to help him lure victims. David saw Dean as a father figure and was willing to do anything for his approval. David was first sexually assaulted by Dean when he was 14. Dean gave him gifts to keep him quiet about the abuse. Dean began paying David to abuse him. So, like, basically treating him like a sex worker and being like, if you let me do sex things, I'll give you $30. Mm. David was a witness to an assault on two young boys who were being tortured. Dean tried lying about the incident, but soon admitted that he killed the boys and gave David a Porsche for his silence. Or is it Porsche? I don't care. How did Dean get money for Porsche? I don't know. These boys were later identified as 14-year-olds Jimmy Glass and Danny Yates. David became his accomplice in his crimes. Wayne Henley later became his second accomplice after his family became so impoverished he was forced to. Both boys were given money to take boys to Dean for him to rape and murder. So, like, they'd find young boys and they'd be like, hey, I know this really cool guy. Let's go hang out at his house. And then Dean would kill him. Wayne was given $200 for every boy he brought. I'm not sure how much David was given. Time for more murders. (laughs) I have seven pages of just, like, murders. So it's real bad. Let's go. Dean and David picked up Donald and Jerry Waldrop, who were 15 and 13. They asked to be brought to the bowling alley, but were instead brought to Dean's boat shed and strangled while David watched. Randall Harvey, last seen on March 9th, 1971 was a 15-year-old boy who was picked up biking and brought to Dean's apartment where he was shot in the head. Mally Winkle, 16, worked in the candy factory and was at the pool with his friend, 13-year-old David Hilligist, and were told by Dean and David that they would be given a ride home, but were instead strangled. This is when Dean met Wayne and he became his second accomplice one year later. So it was just him and David for four murders but then in came wayne and i misspelled wayne's name for the first half of this but i don't care the next uh victim was 17 year old reuben watson haney he was abducted and strangled on august 17th 1971 david stated to police that he helped dean abduct two boys in august 1971 but their identities are still unknown Now Wayne lures his first victim, an unknown boy, to Dean for him to bind, gag, and kill. Got it. Dean had Wayne leave the room for the killings to keep up the lie he told them about trafficking his victims. Basically, Dean was like, I run a gay porn ring. And Wayne was like, okay. On March 24th, 1972, Dean, David, and Wayne spotted 18-year-old Frank Aguilar, convinced him to come up to Dean's home, raped, and murdered him. It was this killing that Wayne learns Dean's true intentions. Wayne then became an active participant in the abductions and murders of the young boys he would get for Dean. On April 20th, 1972, the trio abducted 17-year-old Mark Scott. Though he fought furiously, he was held at gunpoint by Wayne, then raped, tortured, and strangled. June 26, 1972, they abducted Billy Balch and Johnny DeLome, After being raped and tortured by Dean, Wayne strangled Billy and yelled, Hey, Johnny, before shooting him in the head. Unfortunately, Johnny survived and was then strangled by Wayne. 
So he was like, hey, Johnny, bang. Mm. And shot him in the head, but he didn't even die. He was then strangled. 19-year-old Billy Reidinger was abducted and raped and tortured, but David convinced Dean to release him. And I don't have a date written down for that one. Hmm. I don't know why. Well, After it's this, cool that he got released. Yeah. Good for him. So David convinced Dean to release Billy Reidinger, but after he left, David was knocked out, bound, and raped repeatedly. And even after this, he continued to help Dean with the killings. He was like really, really groomed from when he was 11 years old. So. Yeah. On July 19th, 1972, 17-year-old Stephen Sickman was abducted, beat with a blunt object, and then strangled. On August 21st, 1972, the trio abducted 19-year-old Roy Button, who was gagged and shot. On October 7th, the same year, Wally J. Simenu and Richard Hembry were abducted by David and Wayne and taken to Dean's home where they were tortured, raped, and eventually strangled. Simenu made a call to his mother that night and was only able to get out Mama before the line went dead. I'm wondering, like, what are the police doing during this time? Nothing. All these boys were basically like, oh, they must be runaways. Uh, Yes, everyone's a runaway. Basically. 18-year-old Willard Branch was their next victim. He died sometime in the month of November. He was raped, tortured, castrated, and strangled. 19-year-old Richard Kepner was abducted on November 15, 1972. He was strangled and buried at the beach where many of his other victims were buried. High Island Beach. Dean then moved to an address in the Spring Breach... Bonk. The Spring Beach neighborhood of Houston, where after only two weeks there, he abducted and murdered Joseph Lyles, who's a friend of David's. Dean only stayed at this address for three months, and then he, he then moved to his father's old house in Pasadena, a suburb of Houston. In between the dates of February 1st and June 4th, 1973, there were no known killings attributed to Dean. During this time, Wayne had temporarily moved, which may have been the cause, or it could have been caused by his ball sack disease, also known as a hydrocell. Basically, it's like an abscess in your testicles and it's really painful and i'm so glad because he deserves all the pain (laughs) after this period of inactivity his killing increased both in number and brutality wayne testified that dean's killings were now like an insatiable bloodlust on june 4th dean and wayne abducted 15 year old william ray lawrence who was strangled after three days of rape and torture yeah he was buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. Rayburn. Nearly two weeks later, Raymond Stanley was abducted and strangled, and he was also buried at the same Lake Sam Rayburn. On July 7th that same year, 15-year-old Louis Garcia, who met Wayne at driving school, was shot and bled to death in Dean's bathtub. He was buried at the same lake as the previous victims. On July 12th, 17-year-old John Sellers was bound, shot, and buried at High Island Beach with many of Dean's early victims. That was even a week apart. Only five days. Yeah, the same month. So she was pregnant before they got married. So between July 19th and 25th, Wayne became Dean's sole accomplice. In that time, they killed three boys. That is um, six days. So David stayed away from Dean for six days after his marriage and child. And in that time, in less than a week, they killed three boys. 
just Wayne and Dean. For a second, I thought Dean had gotten married. No, he is gay. On July 19th, 15-year-old Michael Botch, brother of previous victim Billy Botch, which is insane. Imagine being the parents, one of your kids goes missing, and then a year later, the other kid goes missing? That would be insane. Um, But Michael Botch was abducted and strangled, then buried at Sam Rayburn Lake. On July 25th, Charles Cobble and Marty Ray Jones were abducted, killed, and buried in the boat shed by Wayne. So Wayne didn't kill them, but he buried them. On August 13th, Dean killed his last victim, 13-year-old James Stanton Dramala. He was taken by David and Dean while riding his bike. He was raped, tortured, and strangled with a cord. He was then buried in the boat shed. So overall, he has, I think, 27 victims. I need to confirm this because I didn't write it down. Dean Coral victim count. Twenty-eight, twenty-eight victims. They were all m- boys aged thirteen to twenty. Majority. That's a minimum of twenty-eight. That's a. Yeah, there are um. There are a lot of. People think he killed a lot more. But those are the ones we know about. Now this section is just labeled death. Which honestly, they all should have been labeled death. But this is Dean Coral's death. On the night of August 7th, 1973, Dean had planned to kill again. He had Wayne bring a new victim named Timothy Curley. Curley? Curley? It's spelled weird. Not like curly like hair, but... Timothy Curley, who's 19. When Wayne and Timothy went to get food, they picked up Wayne's friend, 15-year-old Rhonda Williams. She had been in a fight with her dad, who was physically abusive, and so they took her back with them. When they returned to Dean's home at 3 a.m. with Rhonda, he was furious. Wayne was able to talk him down, and then the kids drank copious amounts of alcohol, huffed paint, and took drugs. All three kids then passed out. While they were unconscious, Dean bound them all with ropes, handcuffs, and tape. Wayne awoke bound and with Timothy naked, also bound, on the floor next to him. Rhonda still had her clothes on, but she was bound as well. Wayne pleaded with Dean, but Dean said, Man, you blew it bringing that girl. I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. He then began kicking Rhonda in the chest. He dragged Wayne away from the others and held him at gunpoint. Wayne got Dean to agree not to kill him if he participated in the torture and killing of the other two teens. Dean gave Wayne a gun and they proceeded to start undressing the two victims. Now awake, Rhonda and Timothy begged for their lives. With this, Wayne pulled a gun on Dean, who was already naked, and Wayne said, You've gone too far. You can't kill all my friends. Dean, not believing that Wayne would kill him, challenged him, saying, Kill me, Wayne. You don't say that. What? If someone says, like, I'm gonna kill you, don't, like, challenge them back. Unless you're, like, a sale kill and you dissolve to, like, die. <laughs> True that. Wayne shot him in the head, but the bullet didn't kill him. It didn't pen- penetrate his skull. 
And after that shot, Dean ran at Wayne and tried to, like, lunge at him. And Wayne fired two more times into his shoulder. Dean began to flee, but Wayne shot him three more times in his back and shoulder, killing him just outside the doorway. He released his friends from their bonds, and they all got dressed. Then they called the police. All of Dean's victims were raped, and many were tortured. He was a horrible man, and he deserved to spend all his time in jail and die a slow and painful death. Aftermath. Both Wayne and David made a full confession. David admitted that Dean had been sexually abusing him since the age of 12, and Wayne assisted the police in locating the bodies of all the known victims. David and Wayne were tried separately. David was indicted on four counts of murder and Wayne on six counts. On July 15, 1974, Wayne Henley was found guilty on all six counts of murder and was sentenced to a total of 594 years in prison. Wayne appealed his sentence but lost his appeal after only six days in court. David was indicted for four murders but was only tried for the murder of William Ray Lawrence. David Brooks was found guilty on March 4, 1974 and was sentenced to life in prison. David also submitted an appeal that was soon dismissed. David's jury deliberated for 90 minutes and Wayne's for 92 minutes. Wayne is living in Anderson County, Texas prison and has been applying for parole since 1980. Each application has been denied. David served his sentence in a Rochin, Rochin, Roshan, Texas. I'm sorry, Texaners. I don't know how to pronounce that. Roshan, Texas prison. But he died on May 28, 2020 of COVID-19. He was 65. Now it's time for Alex's opinions. Dean Coral deserved worse. Worse. He was shot multiple times by someone he thought was his buddy. But he got, he should have gotten worse. I think he died too quickly. And his victims' families never got to face him in trial. I think it's really healing to be able to tell the person who tore your whole world apart by killing your son exactly what he did to you and how you feel about him. And it makes me sad that the family has never got to do that. I think David was judged too harshly. I know what he harshly. I know what he did was un- inconceivable and disgusting. But he was groomed by Dean from the age of twelve and should have been considered a victim as well as a perp. I think David should have gotten 20 years in prison and lifetime of parole, where he's required to attend counseling. Yeah. I think Wayne's sentence was kind of absurd. I mean, they sentenced him to nearly 600 years. To me, that's... say it's a life sentence. Exactly. That's what I said. I said, that's stupid. Just sentence him to life without the possibility of parole, if that's what you want. And I do think that life without the possibility of parole would be an appropriate sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Considering he had a larger role in the killings, it was more like an active participant, and he wasn't groomed to the same extent that David was. Yeah. Overall, this case was incredibly difficult to research because of the brutality, the age of the victims, the age of the accomplices that were roped in by their abuser, and the sheer number of deaths. I couldn't imagine being a fly on the wall in the courtroom where they told the stories of all the victims in gruesome detail for their grieving families. It sounds horrible. And yeah, I'm so I can't sorry. Imagine that. I'm so sorry to all our listeners for telling you that. And the families who I can't imagine being one of those people who lost that son. Yeah, it's horrible. And I'm really sorry to all my lis- 
all the listeners who just had to learn about that. That was Dean Coral, the Candyman Killer. Um, Sophia, you have something happier? <laughs> Not too much. Um, Fuck! So, this is about one of the most dangerous places in Australia. Which is a big deal because, you know, in Australia everything's dangerous (laughs) like have you met a place that's not dangerous in australia melbourne i believe that's pretty dangerous too so neither i mean mate mate so this is um the devil's pool in australia the devil's pool is a naturally forming pool beneath three streams it between the bam Pembinda boulders in Queensland, Australia. Those boulders are found in the regional park and can get up to 6 kilometers kilometers high. It is known for being a beautiful spot and wonderful for hiking and picnics. But since 1959, some sources say between 17 and 20 people have drowned in that pool. But of course, there was more before that, but that's just since 1960. Okay. Um, he came for a visit and stayed forever, is written on an eerie plaque commemorating the death of a bather who was lost to the waters of Devil's Pool. Who the fuck says that? That's such a creepy thing. Why can't you just say, like, in memory of blank who died in this pool? You gotta say... He came for an afternoon, but stayed forever. What the frick? I know, I know. Peter Tebbs, who was a dry, um, not driver. I mean, he could be. A diver. He was a diver and swim instructor for 30 years and has been called to Devil's Pool four times. Oh, to, like, get bodies? And, like, try and rescue. As Peter Tebbs once said... I've been called on four times to try and find bodies down there, but one of the most interesting of the cases was a young fella named Patrick McGann. We thought we knew he was in there, but we couldn't get to the body because the water is so cold, it's so deep, and it flows so fast. And so... Just like my heart pumping for you. Aww. That was cheesy, but I dig it. Thank you. I don't think it really worked with the context either. No. <laughs> Whatever. Um, you get it. I get it. I get you. Well, I'm the same with Wavelength. Hell yeah, we are. And so, eight or ten times we went down, and we eventually cut the logs out of the place underwater, and on the last day, after we'd almost given up, we cut the last log that was in the chute and the body floated freely. It took five weeks and five days to find Patrick McGann's body. And it's just in this one pool. Oh god, that body must have been so disgusting. Five weeks underwater. <laughs> All the meat must have like sloshed off. Oh, why did you have to say that? It was probably so bloated. Yeah. But I could see it sloshing off because the current in that pool is really fast. Yeah. The meat would slosh off his body. That's so good. Slosh off his body. 
Keep doing that. What are you googling? I forgot what uh um I forgot what I uh, acronym I put down meant. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch forgot her own shorthand. No, it's a term that's used a lot, but but it's an Australian term. Oh, okay. It's like search and rescue. Oh, um, search and the Bambinda S E S a search and reduce team rescue team search oh search and reduce <laughs> you meant search. typo um and the area has saved multiple people at the time the um volunteer for that organization Wayne Butler said what is his name it's Wayne Wayne? Yeah, not all Wayne's are bad. No, I thought you said Rain Buttman. So it was like, his name is Buttman? <laughs> Butler. Oh, my ear holes are filled with whipped cream. Uh-huh. As, or so says my mother. Wayne Butler said that more lives were lost in the, there than anywhere else. But on that occasion... They had managed to extract and winch the victim up to safety. Nice. There's a legend behind Devil's Pool and the boulders. It's said to be haunted by an Ulana, a young woman who had drowned a long time ago. Her name's Ulana? Mm-hmm. That's a cool name. Ulana was part of the an Aboriginal tribe in Australia. And was proposed to marry a respected tribal leader when she was old enough. But Ilana had met Daiga, a handsome member of another tribe in the Queensland area. Gee, okay. Ilana and Daiga knew they could not be together due to the different tribes, so the couple ran away into the wilderness. They lived together as the elders looked for the couple and was... Uh, um, vomit. Um, they lived together as the elders looked for the couple until eventually they were found. Daika was dragged away and out of despair, Ulana threw herself into the water that became known as Devil's Pool. That's so dramatic, honestly, <laughs> bitch. Legend says Ulana's spirit haunts the Devil's Pool Lawing men to the swings before dragging them underwater and to the deaths and to their deaths as part of her endless search for her lost love. Out of the nineteen victims that are devil's pool since nineteen sixty, only one of them has been a woman. That's because women are smarter. <laughs> yeah, don't go swimming in devil's pool. That's an FYI. Honestly I kinda wanna swim in it. It's a cool name. I would be like, ooh. The most recent victim to the Devil's Pool happened in 2020. This is the woman? The one woman? No. Oh. Um, his name does sound like a lady's name. Oh, it's a man named Shannon. Okay. Yeah, Shannon Hoffman, a 37-year-old and a father. Um... Yeah. One of the tribal leaders in the area, Dennis Aki, 
Lido. <laughs> I don't want to butcher it as okay. that could be disrespectful, but I don't know. Try when you're yid yid inji. When you're yid inji, that's we probably know wrong. That's probably wrong. I'm so sorry to that tribe. He's the traditional owner from the boulders and said is the most lethal during the wet season from November through from November to March. But I have the ability to kill at any time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh oopsies. We don't normally call it the devil's pool. We call it the washing machine. The what? The washing machine. That's funny. We normally we don't normally call it the devil's pool. We call it the washing machine, said Mr. Aki, as he told the ABC radio. Madison Tim was the only uh, um, woman who drowned there, and she was 18 years old when she passed away after swimming to a tunnel of rocks at the off-limit swimming spot. She was so stupid. Another recent one was James Bennett, who was 23 years old when he passed away in the water. There's many signs outside the water to say, hey, don't swim in it. Many people have died and it's very dangerous. So that's... That's spooky. It kind of reminds me, there's this lake in Georgia, Lake Lanier. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Sinisterhood in Neps- Or was it Sinisterhood or Morbid? Morbid morbid did an episode on it um and it was really good it's spooky and i really i actually i know so many people have died there but i really want to go scuba diving in Lake Lanier because there's all these like ruins at the bottom basically and you can look down and see basically old buildings from this town because instead of clearing all the buildings they just flooded it yeah and i'd love to see that i think that's really cool also talking about um in the aboriginals and the myths of what happened in certain areas here's just a fun little myth about blowing rock in north carolina oh my gosh did you plan to do these together i did that's awesome okay so blowing rock is this Big old rock in North Carolina, not in Australia. Where in North Carolina? It's in North Carolina. <laughs> Girl, we literally live right there. I know. Um, it's in the Pisgah National Forest. There you go. Um, blowing rock. Here's the myth behind it. A Czechs- a Chickasaw chieftain was fearful who. For his daughter's safety, as a white man was like, ooh, she pretty. So, he took her to Blowing Rock under the care of an elder woman. Ooh, someone's stealing. Um, don't read my notes. I wasn't reading your notes. I read your motion detection camera. Oh. I know it's probably your dogs. As the girl sat on the cliffs daydreaming, she saw a Cherokee brave warrior wandering in the wilderness far below and playfully shot an arrow in his direction. What the fuck? How to flirt 101. How to flirt. Maybe I'll just like shoot him but like only a little bit. Maybe I'll just like <laughs> miss. Just a little. Just like eee bang. <laughs> Ooh. 
Um, they began flirting and he called her with songs of his land and they became lovers, wandering the pathless woodlands and along the crystal streams. One day the sky reddened, so the couple returned to the rock. The sky what? The sky reddened. Um, okay. You know when sometimes there's a sunset or sunrise and the sky oh. looks red? I'm stupid. I thought it was like apocalypse time. No. So the couple returned to the rock, and the fire believed that this meant he should return to his tribe in the plains. The girl pleaded that he should not leave her. The warrior was so conflicted due to duty and love. He was like, should I go help my tribe or should I stay with the hot lady? Also known as, should I stay or should I go by the band The Clash. Exactly. The warrior then in, um, leaped off blowing rock. He just was like, okay, like, I don't know whether I should stay with you or go back to my tribe, so I'm just going to do neither and die instead. Peace. The girl was so heartbroken and grief-stroken that she prayed daily to the Great Spirit until one evening, with a reddening sky, a gust of wind blew her lover back onto the rock and into her arms. What? From that day, a perpetual wind has blown up onto blowing rock from the valley below. The rock is about a million years old and has the top and... Just like your mom. I'm sorry. I'm gonna your mom you. You know I love you, Jennifer. And people have determined the wind comes from a flume formed by the rocky walls that which sweeps the wind up along the, along with any objects in its currents. So like if I were to stand in that current, would I just go... Uh, probably not. I feel like it, I'm too much of a fat bitch for it to pick. No, up. I feel like it can't actually pick people up. It's also three thousand feet above the ground. Um, and it's the only place in the world where snow falls upside down. It looks like oh. snow falls upside down. That's neat. <laughs> the like you can look it up and you can see videos of the snow like falling back up into the sky it looks right, like it falls, but then the wind hits it. yeah it's really cool looking so okay. those are my podcast thing those, <laughs> those are my, my podcast those are my stories for today that i really liked those those were cool you should do more like native american myths and things yeah. or native not necessarily native american because um, you're native australian too yeah aboriginals and it's so hard for me to say this because I never know how indigenous and indigenous indigenous. My mom keeps telling me how, but my brain's just like. Ugh. No, I get it. There's there's one word that's like that for me, and I can't remember what it is anymore. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good day. Yeah. Remember to like stay safe, wear your mask, drink water, stay hydrated. Yeah, hydration. If you haven't cool. eaten today, do that. Yeah. Unless, of course, you have to get, like, a blood test done or something. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) These are such specific instructions. We just want everyone to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Um, Yeah. Give us some money, too, if you're wealthy enough. Oh, yeah. We should set up, like, a go... Oh, we should set up a Patreon for our seven (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Yes, our seven listeners. (laughs) 
your mom's gonna be like i'll donate a quarter a month and that's it that's all we'll get because my family's gonna be like yeah ain't no fucking way i'm donating anything to them my family straight up does not listen and if they do they make it like 10 minutes in and then turn it off yeah (laughs) anyways have a good day yeah have a good day that's how we end our podcast let's say it at the same time one two three have Have a a good good day. day Please follow us on Instagram at Old News and Stories of the Accused and email us your suggestions at onasota podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.